you do have an amazing team and I think we all have the same vision and it's all about wanting to help others mm -hmm. and so that's where it all really stems from yeah is wanting to you know we've had our opportunity to be out there and be successful now we want to help others be yeah. successful as well Hey Islanders and welcome to episode 156 of the Commando Voice. Today I speak with the owners of Remax Elevate. Please welcome Ellen Bond and Bob Wold. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson and you're listening to the Camino Voice podcast where I interview local business owners, comedians, singers, and more. I dive into their backstory to find out how they got where they are, what are some of the tips for you to do the same, and find out where they're going. Tune in every week as I interview more of the people you see every day. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Camino Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. How's your guys' week going as we get back into school? For those parents out there, um, you know, getting used to having, having to take kids back again, or if you're homeschooling, um, you know, that's also a lot of work. <laughs> so... I uh, hope you guys' week is going well. And, um, you know, with us, our, our lives are still kind of crazy and everything. And now school's starting up. And uh, we've, we've had, we've got, four, uh, all four kids are doing an extracurricular activity now. Uh, and so our Saturdays are crazy. Our weekend, weekday nights are crazy. And so, yeah, we're just uh, dealing with all of those different features right now. So, anyways, enough about that. Um, today, I interview Ellen Bond and Bob Wold, um, who are the new owners of Remax Elevate. Um, new as of, I don't remember the exact timing. You know me and dates. I always jump into the thing and I'm like, I don't remember the exact time. But they did take it over fairly recently. I believe it was either in 2020 or 2021. Um, watch, as you listen to the podcast, you can now correct me on that. Um, anyways... Um, but yeah, we, we get into how they came about, you know, how they came about to take over Remax. Um, I don't know if many of you knew Renee Kettler. She was the former owner of Remax. Um, and she did a lot for this community and she still puts on events, uh, like the Rock the Cause for the, uh, community chest and different things like that. So, um, there are, um, you know, many of you may have heard of Renee Kettler, um, but yeah, these people took over afterwards, uh, after her. And um, yeah, it, you know, I, I've known uh, Marla and Randy for quite a while and heard about them. And so I've heard, uh, seen their journey as, you know, owners of real estate companies. And so now we've got two new people who are um, taking their spin on it as well. And so I love seeing how people, you know, integrate team building, uh, how they support their team. Uh, things that they want to see differently and done differently, um, which is why they go into business and all of that. So, um, yeah, so I uh, had a great conversation with them, learned a little bit more about real estate um, at some point. Hopefully I will, I, I may jump into that boat. It sounds like a lot of fun. So anyways, doing all of those things. But um, yeah, so without further ado, here's my conversation with Ellen Bond and Bob Wold. Hey Islanders and welcome to another episode of the Commando Voice. Today I'm here with the owners of Remax Elevate. Welcome to the podcast, Ellen jo Bond and Bob Wold. Thank you for having us. We're excited to be here. Happy to be here. Awesome. So before we get started, tell us a little bit about Ellen and Bob. 
Wow. Okay. Well, goodness, uh, we've both been involved in real estate for a very long time, and we happen to both be serving on the Snohomish County Camino Association Realtors Board. Okay. And we wound up meeting there and making a connection, and so it's just grown from there in, in many different ways. <laughs> nice. Very cool. So where did you guys grow up? Oh, I lived in uh, Kirkland, Washington, was raised there and graduated from Lake Washington High School. Go Kangs. Uh, I'm born and raised in Edmonds and a Blanchett High grad and uh, moved up to the community up here about two years ago. Nice. Welcome. Did you, Bob, did you have any connection with Camino prior to moving here? Actually, I didn't. Okay. Uh, the first time that I had been on Camino, believe it or not, um, was to come and visit Ellen at the Remax office over okay. at the IGA Plaza there. Nice. Had you guys done work together before? Uh, we hadn't crossed paths other than being on the board together. So heard of one another's names, of course, but had not done a transaction or crossed paths before. Yes. Okay. <laughs> nice. So then um, we were talking prior to the podcast, neither of you actually ended up like finishing out college, but when you guys were in high school and stuff, what were kind of your guys' passions? Where did you think you were going to end up? Gosh, um, I was going to say I had quite a few interests, and I'm kind of a pragmatic person, so I decided that I would go to college once I knew exactly what it was I wanted to do, and then I just went down a different path, so <laughs> <laughs> never finished, yeah. but uh, yeah. Awesome. I worked at a car dealership uh, throughout high school and about the first year after graduation while going to community college in Edmonds, and uh, after... Um, Leaving that job, I started at a small savings and loan as a teller, uh, worked in banking for about 18 years before wow, okay. jumping into real estate in 2006. So um, it was kind of a natural progression out of the mortgage business. Got it. Um, never thought about banking as a career. It just kind of happened. Yeah. Very cool. What were the, um, like, as you were starting, as you were in banking, was it something that you were... Like, did you kind of keep thinking like, well, you know, I'll move on at this point or at this point, or did you, after you got into banking, were you really, did you enjoy that world? You know, I did, I did, yes. I was a teller for about a year and a half before becoming a loan processor. Okay. And learning about mortgage loans, uh, financing, uh, being in the back end, learning all of the rules and absolutely in, enjoyed my job yeah. there. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so probably could have made a lifetime career out of that. Yeah. Very easily, yes. Nice. Very cool. And then, um, so, Ellen, what did you do um, with, instead of going to college, you said you started on one path and what, what kind of work? Yes, I, I was doing a lot of the nine to five. I was managing a dental clinic for a while, then a physiotherapy clinic. And I was just learning. I'm not a nine to five behind the desk person. Yeah. I like to be much more on the go. Yeah. So real estate kind of just started to progress. I was purchasing homes and doing flipping and it just kind of, yeah, went from there. I don't think it's very common that someone starts immediately in real estate. I think it's something that you wind up getting into at some point. <laughs> I would agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and even a lot of the realtors I've interacted with here on the island, a lot of them, it's their, like, quote, unquote, retirement job. But, like, you know, then they end up building it and it becomes their, their kind of second career. Correct. Yes. So, yeah. It's very cool. I've actually... Um, in watching so many people do that, I'm like, huh, 
Maybe long term, <laughs> I could start doing that at some point. It seems like a fun, fun aspect. That's actually how I got into it, Brandon. Okay. Um, <laughs> my father, somewhere about 70 years old, uh, started uh, his real estate career after retiring out of the apparel business. Okay. You know, for his whole life and um, did it for a few years. And I joined him in 2006, and here I am. Very cool. Still in the biz. Yeah. So then, um, just because it stands out, you joined in 2006, which is a very interesting time to start in real estate. Yes, it was. <laughs> How did that kind of unfold? Because you were just kind of getting your, your feet on you on there. And... Well, life changes, uh, circumstances uh, called for a little bit of a career change. I was a manager at a local bank, had a great job, had a great career, decided to make that change, of course, right before the market crash, and joined my dad, mm-hmm. um, was his business partner uh, up until a couple of years ago. And, you know, we, we surfed and navigated the murky waters of 07 through 10, and um, you know, now it's been 16 years later. So yeah, here yeah. we, yeah. We're and what a wild, like that snapshot in time. I don't know that real estate has gone through that much shifting and changing in the history from besides in or in comparison to what that is. Kind of the beauty of real estate. It changes annually and we go through ups and downs and every up and down is different and due to a different reason. Mm-hmm. Nice. And then, um, Ellen, when you were, how did you get, uh, you said you started with flipping houses, but how did that kind of evolve from that into uh, real estate? I think just having experiences with realtors as well and just knowing, you know, I think I could do this. I think I could do it well. And I really enjoy working with people. Mm -hmm. I also love architecture. Everything just kind of blended. And it was just, yeah, the next step to take. So thoroughly enjoy it. Nice. So then, um, so... Focusing in on that a little bit, on the 2007-2008, what were the things, like, all of us have hindsight 2020, but, like, what were things that you guys saw being in the market, um, what of that leading to what happened there versus kind of what we're seeing now? Oh, I'll, I'll kind of address that. The, they're completely um, different scenarios. Okay. And probably somewhere in 0405. 0607, you could get a mortgage loan. Um, we would call it the mirror test. The, the companies that I worked for were all banks, so you know they, they didn't have those. But you, you basically could get a loan um, based upon stated income, assets, and um, of course, a lot of those mortgages that were made were just not realistic. Yeah. And so uh, today, you know, mortgage companies are truly qualifying the individuals for the credit and mm-hmm. underwriting uh, standards have become much stricter. Um, and those loans that used to be made are no longer made. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a totally different scenario and circumstance, yeah. you know, versus what we're seeing now. Yeah, absolutely. People easily became over-mortgaged. Yeah. There was just um, some unfortunate predatory lending practices, and and Bob's correct. There's a lot of changes now where we won't see those scenarios again. Yeah. There were circumstances where people would purchase a house, and um, lenders would make 125% 
uh, loan on the value of the home. And, you know, people would get cash back out of their homes, wow. you know, when they purchased. So um, that, that type of lending is just not in existence, nor should it have ever been. So. Yeah. And leading up to that, um, were, and especially from you being in the banking world, you probably worked with in, within your banking world. You were a lot more on that side of, like, making sure things penciled and it worked out. When you switched into the real estate world, did that surprise you when you started working and doing real estate that you saw some of these things going through? You know, not necessarily. Um, working for a local bank, they, they really, you know, followed, you know, the standard underwriting practices and rules. Um, starting in, you know, the back end processing before being a loan officer was an advantage. And, you know, I would, you know, process for up to six loan officers um, so when I did make the jump into real estate, real estate contracts were not unfamiliar, nor was the process. It was actually a very easy and natural transition. Yeah. Yeah. So. Nice. So then, um, uh, so for people that are uh, buying and selling a house, uh, let's start with uh, if they're selling a house, what are some of, the, some of the biggest things that you tell your clients or that when you're working with people are the most important things? Absolutely. I think price and presentation okay. are the two most important right now. Uh, pricing correctly is going to be uh, top concern. Um, and presentation, making sure that you have it at the, the best that you can and um, have it valued appropriately. So those two combinations, I think. Yeah. Yes. I would agree with those. Yeah. Um, Pricing is, is definitely a, a big consideration. And with some of the run-up that we had earlier in the year, yeah, um, you know, those prices that were happening with the additional inventory that we now have, they're just not obtainable prices. And so um, sometimes that's a little bit of a challenge to relay that right. to a seller. Yeah. So, um, so in the market that we're in right now, do you feel like it's a pretty healthy market? I would agree that it actually is. I think we're getting back to what's normal, but mm -hmm. it hasn't been a normal market, so to speak, for a handful of years. Yeah. So we used to think we were an amazing agent if we sold a home in 30 or 45 days. Yeah. And so we're just getting back to a, a better pace, a healthier market, a little more opportunity for buyers, where yeah. before it was very, very difficult. Yeah. Now you might actually see that a seller will give some credit towards closing costs, things that uh, had disappeared. Yes. For, for a while. So. Sellers willing to make repairs or mm -hmm. credit for the buy-down of mortgage rates. Uh, that is one thing that has affected the market. A year ago, you could get, you know, 30-year fixed mortgage rates in the 3%, and that's, you know, no longer possible. Yep. Um, you know, mortgage rates are now in the 5 and 6, which makes a huge difference in buying power. Right. Mm -hmm. um, there's also... Uh, a little bit more of a balance, of course, with the inventory. However, there's still basically what we would consider a seller's market, where there's about three months, two and a half to three months of inventory currently. That's okay. still technically considered a seller's market. <clears throat> okay. So uh, buyers do have a choice, and they can be choosy. Okay. Nice. So a question that I had, because this has come up, I've seen it happen, um, and I've heard a lot about it, uh, and we actually had this happen as well. Um, 
What are your guys' thoughts on buyers that have decided to waive inspections? Oh. Or appraisals? Or, yeah. Well, I think in uh, the last, well, let's say, 36 months, that was something that was just almost unexpected, is that a right. buyer needed to waive inspection, maybe have an additional down, maybe even waive appraisal. And I think we are seeing that diminish and start to be yeah, a little more balanced. But uh, that is a challenge for buyers. And I really encourage that they do have a home inspection, even if it's just for their knowledge. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Is, what are the, um, I guess when you're looking at those things, I've always been, I was worried of like, well, shouldn't, like you, it's good practice to do that because then you know what you're getting into. Yes. But what are the, the, what are the, realistically, what are the big pitfalls that you're going to miss without having an inspection versus if you do do one? Well, if something is wrong with the house and it was not inspected, uh, many, many homes over the last year or two had a pre-inspection done by the seller. Um, so there was something to look at there, but okay. just going in and waiving an inspection, if there is something wrong with the house, the buyer is taking full financial risk for any issues that might come up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it just seemed weird to me that that was happening because I'm like, isn't that high risk but yeah I don't know it kept happening so it's a little bit of a roll of the dice if you are to waive an inspection yes yeah are most major things caught in appraisals if you do waive an inspection an appraiser hired by the bank is only there to value the property and not inspect it so the answer to that question is a firm no okay <laughs> unless there's something blatantly wrong with the property and or uh, some major code violation, um, i.e., maybe you know the moss is growing out of the gutters in the roof. Yeah, you know an appraiser might call that. Maybe not. Okay. Cool. So yeah, an appraisal is definitely not a home inspection. Okay. Nice. So then, um, so bringing it back around to uh, Remax, then, uh, how how did you guys get in touch? Uh, Renee was the previous owner of Remax, right? Correct. And so, who? How did you guys get in touch with her? How did this kind of all come about? Well, I guess I'll run with that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Renee Kettler has done an amazing job over the, the last 10 years, and I was actually already affiliated with her office. I was managing the Camino branch here. Okay. And we simply were having a conversation one day, and retirement came up, and I said, well, when you get to that point, let me know. We'd love to chat. And it picked up very quickly from there. Obviously, the, the timing was right because I thought maybe we were going to have this discussion again in 12 months, 24 months, but no, <laughs> the ball got rolling very quickly. And so Bob then came on board to manage the Stanwood branch and give us that opportunity to slowly start the process. Okay. Bob, how did you get connected with this whole ordeal then? Well, like Ellen said, we met uh, on the realtor board. Okay. And um, I was with a different firm in downtown Seattle, and uh, most of my business is South Snohomish County, North King County. And as, you know, we, we started our paths, you know, moving forward together, mm -hmm. you know, there were some discussions about, you know, what, what if... And all of a sudden, that path was kind of laid out for us, and that, you know, ball started rolling down, <laughs> you know, the hill pretty 
pretty quickly. So <laughs> yes. all of a sudden, here we are. Yeah. Well, that yeah. must have been an interesting conversation, too, of just like, we've already started, we're starting on this path. Oh, by the way, how would you think about <laughs> taking over a business? Well, I, I think it, it was a natural progression for both of us because yeah. we truly are both very passionate about the industry, about professionalism, and about helping. Yeah. Um, not just helping our own individual clients, but brokers. Yeah. Um, it's, it's always been something very, in, in my mind, I've always loved to help people. Yeah. Uh, in the mortgage business, I was kind of a go-to where if somebody needed help putting a deal together, they would come to me okay. because of the knowledge and experience I had on, on the backside. Yeah. Uh, same thing with real estate. And, you know, we're, we're in this for a long time together. We've both been involved in, you know, a lot of transactions. So, you know, helping, you know, our brokers succeed was just natural for us to, to want to take that step. Yeah. So. Very cool. much so. So, um, whenever there's transition in a business, there's always, there's always friction. It's always, there's a lot of moving pieces there. What have been some of the biggest challenges since taking over? Oh, I think, well, it all started under the COVID period of time. So that in itself, you know, created some challenges, but we not only changed names, we moved location, we changed all our backend softwares. We, we pretty much just started with a clean slate to really customize to what we wanted to offer to our, our agents. And so it's been a a fun process. There's been some stress. Yes. But I think (laughs) we're at the point now where we feel like we've kind of or a little more smooth sailing. Yeah. So. There's always bugs to work out. Right. Always and we'll continue case. to be. Yeah. And, you know, you learn by your experiences and you just move forward. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, we've um, been, I've been, my wife and I have been running this business. Uh, we took it over from my dad uh, end of 2019. And, um, you know, I feel like even within a contained business, you, you keep improving every year. But every year I look ahead and I'm like, we still have to figure out like how do we do with this issue and what do we do here and how do you improve this and so um, yeah it's definitely an ever evolving um, puzzle and that's kind of exciting yes and I think that's we like the challenge and we we really yeah love giving back and great opportunity for us to do that yeah yeah very cool so um, with taking over then you guys end up being a lot more of the support of for your um, real estate agents. What are some of the the support systems that you have in place, um, and what are some of the ways you do team building? So, well, as far as support, uh, we we have an absolutely amazing management team, our executive team. Uh, besides Ellen and I, you know, being the owners and there for questions, you know, regarding clients, contracts, or anything else, we have a great marketing director. Emily, our office manager, Lexi, is absolutely fantastic. Her role in the business has been um, truly, you know, we we won't be able to um, function without her. And we've recently added Amy Schmidt on our executive team. Okay. She uh, brings a whole other world of um, real estate and experience. And with the five of us, the... Uh, you know, the support that we offer the agents, quite honestly, I think is pretty unprecedented. Yeah. 
So maybe you have some more regarding that. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. Um, we do have an amazing team, and I think we all have the same vision, and it's all about wanting to help others. Mm -hmm. And so that's where it all really stems from. Yeah. Is wanting to, you know, we've had our opportunity to be out there and be successful. Now we want to help others be yeah. successful as well. Yeah. That's really what it's about. And we've got brokers who are highly successful. And, you know, this is a living, a full-time job. That's how yeah. they make their living. And we've got some brokers, you know, that like to, to sell a few homes a year and that's okay. Yeah. And so, um, you know, learning how we can help each one of those brokers be successful and get to where they want to be um, that has been a little bit of a challenge, but once you learn that, you know, you're able to help them even more. Yeah. So then, um, uh, when you guys are, whether you're bringing on new brokers or, um, working with old ones, what are the things that you guys see as the standouts of this is what makes a successful, uh, broker? Well, I would say definitely really enjoying working with people mm -hmm. because you're going to be really close-knit for a period of time, and it can be a stressful time. And so to really be uh, there for support um, is important. So, yes, really loving to work with people. I think having some, some drive, some motivation, um, focus. It's this, not an easy business. Yeah. This is a huge process, and for most, it is the biggest financial decision people will make buying and selling a home. Yeah. And you truly uh, have, for I guess lack of a better term, a pretty intimate relationship with your buyer or your seller. Yeah. Oftentimes, you're navigating those waters for a purchase and a sale for, you know, the same client at the same time. Yeah. And so you definitely get to know people. Um, one of the things that my dad was just absolutely amazing at was, I, I would say, most of his clients became friends. You know, if he called them later, they would see his name on the phone and they would want to pick up the phone and say, hey, Jim, how are you? Yeah. So, you know, that's always the goal is to give people a great experience and uh, to to get through the process and make it easy. Yeah. Um, Ellen has actually, you know, had people come to her, and, and I have as well, and said, you know, you've made the process so easy. Yeah. And quite honestly, it's not an easy process. <laughs> you know. yeah, we just spare them those uh, aspects. We, yeah. yeah. Try to have them just experience the, the most of the highs versus the lows that also come. <laughs> we do have a new broker that gave some feedback recently on a listing and said, wow, this is a whole lot more than I ever thought it would be. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. Well, there, you know, I think for the, the clients, they just see the showings and the like, the negotiation aspect. But then when you guys walk away from that, you guys have this whole other stack of paperwork and all the other things you guys have to work on and yes. make sure you're up to date on all of those things too. There's a lot of parties to each transaction. <laughs> it's not just the, the buyer and the seller and the agents. You have your title, your escrow, your appraisers, your home inspectors. Uh, it just goes, the list goes on and on. So. You wear a lot of hats. Yes. A lot of hats. Yep. When your sellers call you at noon or 1 p.m. on the day that they're supposed to be out of the house and they say we don't have enough room in the moving trucks and we're going to have 60 extra boxes you need to have solutions for that so yeah you know that's just one scenario of what happens so yeah um, 
you know, we yeah, there's definitely a lot of hats that are worn. Yeah. Well, and I've, we've worked with some great uh, agents in the past as well when we've been doing buying or selling. And, um, you know, one, one we, we put in an offer on a house that ended up not going through, um, but it was over a weekend. And so we were going back and forth with our uh, loan agent who we've worked with for ye- many years. Um, and then a real estate agent and their real estate agent. And so it was all happening over Saturday and Sunday. And we're like, thank you guys for doing this over the weekend. And um, yeah, I mean, but it made a huge difference because it was, you know, like, of course it didn't end up going through, but it was, we didn't even have a shot. Had we tried to wait till Monday, you know, had they said, you know, we can't do it till Monday. You know, we wouldn't have even been our, get our offer. And so you never get what you don't ask for. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then with, with the team then, are there things that you guys do to, to encourage team building among agents to one another um, or as, a, as an overarching team? Some of the things that, that are truly passionate for Ellen and I as the owners are community. Mm-hmm. And so we, we make it a point to participate in pretty much um, most of the activities that we're able to in the community. We've got the chili chowder cook-off coming up, um, you know, team-building activities, any brokers that want to volunteer and, you know, participate in those events. Mm-hmm. Um, those are those are some of the great things that, you know, we get the most out of is giving back to the community. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think um, I love seeing all the different ways that people are creative in team-building. Uh, and, and being in the real estate business, it's a little bit different as far as trying to get team building activities together because you're not necessarily, you know, most of you aren't even in the same building at most of the time because you're out showing houses, you're out doing things. Um, That's very so true. you have to be really intentional with bringing the team together and building that team kind of spirit. Yes, very much so. I think once again, since COVID, it's just a little bit of a different process for, yeah. for most and are working from home more and yes getting people in the office and getting together for those community events. We work at it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So then, um, now we talked about that right now we're not in a time that is like 2007, 2008, but what do you guys kind of feel the current state of the market is from your perspective? And is there anything on the horizon, positive or negative, that you guys are kind of looking at right now? I... I am not an economist. Okay. <laughs> I pay attention to them. Yes. Whether it be, you know, the chief economist for the National Association of Realtors, Lawrence Yoon, or, um, you know, a local economist here with Windermere, Matthew Gardner. There's quite a few that we pay attention to. I, I will say again, I am not an economist. So I think it's a little bit dangerous when brokers are out there saying the market is going to do this or that. Mm-hmm. What we know is what's happening today yeah. and what happened last week and the month before that. And so that being said, uh, you know, we truly are getting more of a balanced market at this time, yeah. which is best for buyers and sellers yeah. and, you know, the real estate market and the economy in general. Would we like to see interest rates come down a little bit like some of those who like to predict say they will? Yeah, we would. Yeah. Uh, however, people are still buying and selling houses. There's an equal number of pending as active listings. So that tells me there's still a lot of activity out there. There's buyers coming into this market. Yeah. The Pacific Northwest and 
Seattle Bellevue Central Business Districts with all of the amazing, um, you know, mega businesses that we have here, whether it be Amazon, Boeing, Microsoft, we have no shortage of people moving here. Yeah. There's a, you know, there's a lot of people moving out, but there's more moving in. Yeah. So we've got to put them somewhere. Right. And so we are going to see a lack of housing moving forward. And I don't see uh, the market doing much in the next few years, you know, as far as crash. I, I just don't foresee that. Yeah. I could be wrong. Yeah. I'll tell you in a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's the interesting thing is despite, you know, people, whether they're saying it's going to crash or whatever the market's doing, is that we still have a lot of families that are still looking for homes that can't get into a home due to either prices or availability. Um, and I don't, I guess I don't see a big enough push there that we're going to suddenly absorb that amount of families into homes, you know, overnight. That seems to be a general consensus throughout The Economist. Yeah. And is that, is that mainly more focused in the Northwest or are we seeing that across the board? Well, Washington State is actually the lead for the most difficult housing situation. So uh, we are in the process of doing all that one can, but um, permitting is a big part of that. If we could get permit processes to be simpler and have some changes to, you know, boundary lines, et cetera, um, it it would help to get more housing. Yes. Just one of many things that needs to happen. New construction starts are down you know, supply chain issues, Mm -hmm. if they can get those corrected, uh, as well as maybe some, you know, building changes in some of the closer cities. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, the only place to go is up. Yeah. You know, with the current GMA, we're basically out of land. Yeah. And due to that, um, you know, it, it will be tough on new construction moving forward. Yeah. You know, the Stanwood community is, um, you know, they, they, we are building homes up here, so that's good. Yeah. Um, and, you know, those homes are needed. Yeah. So. Well, and I've, I was talking to somebody that was saying they're, they've started doing stuff where they do the mini homes on properties, uh, like in some of those more, you know, dense city areas, stuff like that, that they're allowing them to do these, like, micro land plots basically that they actually put the little houses and I thought that was a great idea for especially in places like Seattle where the prices are just astronomical and like the cost of living there is just so high like having that ability to let someone else have you know be able to get into a home that's cheaper as well as help benefit the person that's allowing that person to get into the home uh, ADU additional dwelling unit. Yes. Um, definitely, you know, zoning laws are preventing you know those from being built in many many areas. Yeah. Uh, until those laws are changed, you you won't see that. Yeah. Uh, that will be one of the ways to increase housing density. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So then, um, you guys are a couple of years into this now. Um, what do you guys kind of see as, or what do you hope to see as the future of Remax Elevate? I think to continue growing slowly as a wonderful firm with amazing agents on board and continuing to give back to the community and, yeah, just continue down this positive path that we're on. Being a presence 
and and giving back to the community and having great brokers that work for us that are involved and active, um, you know that that really um, is what we strive for. Yeah. Very cool. Well, we like to end every podcast with some rapid fire questions. So the first one is, what purchase of $100 or less have you enjoyed the most in the last three months? Oh, well, for me, it's actually a gadget. It's, it's a charger. It's a multi-charger. You can have your AirPods, your iPhone, your you know, Apple Watch, everything in one place. I absolutely yes. love it. <laughs> I'm going baked cafe sausage breakfast Ooh, sandwich. Yes. I am so glad nice. that the mixer is fixed. Right. Or at least on loan. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. That's, that's my... Good uh, shout out. I like it. Yeah. The big, big cafe sausage breakfast sandwich. Awesome. Yep. <laughs> and it's very dangerous living uh, or working right above them. <laughs> All right. Uh, who's the most influential person in your life outside of your family? That's a tough one because there's so many. But um, I think a dear friend who was a client that has become a dear friend, Mother Thecla, who lives here on the island. Nice. Well, outside of the family, uh, interesting. I, I would have to say there's many uh, who was one of the most influential persons outside my family would be my manager at Home Street Bank. Okay. Um, she, mm-hmm. she taught me so much and, you know, brought me up in, in the mortgage world and... The respect that I have for her is is phenomenal. Nice. So, yeah. Very cool. All right. Uh, this is a fill-in-the-blank question. I know this is weird, but I've always wanted to blank. Fly a plane. Oh, we're similar. I still want to skydive. So you might have to jump out of your plane when you <laughs> I'll take flying lessons. You can jump yeah, out. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> we won't jump out together. Yes. Yeah, let's... let's <laughs> mitigate risk there (laughs) all right Uh, who's an interesting or fascinating person that I should interview next oh my goodness I've seen your your list and um, it's hard to find an additional person you've already uh, interviewed some amazing people Um, I would say Natalie Hagland Uh, she is very involved in SCAF the Stanwood Camino Area Foundation and she's very involved in the school board as well so she's really dialed into the community and has raised her kids here, I think she'd be a great one to talk to. Awesome. Plus one for Natalie. Awesome. All right, and lastly, what piece of advice would you give your 20-year-old self? I think just stay true to yourself. Keep that confidence and the vision. Stay true to who you are. Yeah. Microsoft, Amazon, and Tesla. (laughs) (laughs) Look out for these companies. There you go. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. It's a great yeah. time. All right. And Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to Ellen Bond and Bob Wold for joining me on the podcast today. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps us be found by other Islanders like yourself. And for more information on this episode, you can go to tomatocommons.com slash podcast. That's tomatocommons.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next